Going into conference play in the Pac-12 here in 2022, there's a question I'm going to answer that I didn't think I would have to answer going into league play this year. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Big thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do indeed apply. That question that was uh, sent in to me by a listener or watcher of the show, which I greatly appreciate, is the Pac-12 North possibly better than the Pac-12 South? Question comes in from Adam Spain, who hopped into my Twitter direct messages at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. You get a question answer there. Hop in the YouTube comments. I'm always engaging with you over there. I love the engagement I've been getting on, on YouTube on, on that side. You can ask a question or two with the hashtag AskLOP12. But Adam Spain wants to know a fascinating question. Is the Pac-12 North possibly better than the Pac-12 South. Now, for those of us who have forgotten, let us recap. The North consists of Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. The South has Utah, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. Now, this is not a Mike Leach press conference in which we are discussing who would win in a hypothetical battle of the mascots. I think um, I, I think the South would win that one pretty easily. Trojans got a sword You've got the Bruins, the the Sun Devils, Buffaloes. Yeah, the, the mascot battle there is dominated by the South. But coming into this year, I think the South was a pretty easy answer for which half of the conference was better. But I don't think that the answer is so simple now. Because before the season started, you look at USC and you say, all right, that's probably a 9-10 win team. Utah, okay, they're the Pac-12 favorites. UCLA, all right, they might be the third or fourth best team in, in the conference depending on uh, you know where, you, where you'd position Oregon in, in that particular conversation. Uh, Arizona State, all right, yeah, Herm Edwards you know, got a lot of questions, but he's He's won games, right? They're, they're never a disaster. Now they're a disaster, and he's gone, of course. Uh, Arizona, maybe they'll take a step forward. Colorado, okay, we won't talk about that. But that compared to what you had in the Pac-12 North coming into the year, with which was kind of Oregon in the field, doesn't look that way anymore, right? Washington State went and upset number 19 Wisconsin on the road. Washington looks to be a legitimate contender in, in the Pac-12 through three games. Oregon State, who I hyped up all preseason here on the show, looks even better than than I thought they would be. 3-0 and right now with those two wins, one of which was on the road. Looks pretty darn good. And then the bottom here is Stanford and Cal. And Cal went on the road to, you know, a pretty bad Notre Dame team, but still a Notre Dame team that has superior players and took them down to the wire. And Stanford has a head coach who's won a lot of games. So 
to answer the question, is the North better than the South? It depends on your priorities. Because when I look at the North, I see a lot more depth. Because at the bottom of the Pac-12 South, you've got Colorado, Arizona State, and then Arizona is a step above them right now because Arizona is not losing as a 20-point home favorite. They're winning as a two-and-a-half-point home underdog against North Dakota State, which still puts them you know, squarely in fourth, in my view, in the Pac-12 South if I'm just power-ranking these teams. But I certainly like them more than where Arizona State is right now with Sean Aguano, the new interim head coach, coming in there. Herm Edwards gone and losing Eastern Michigan. That's a bad place to be. Still, I'd put them above Colorado, but that game – might be the only chance either side has to win a conference game. Maybe they'll pull an upset. I mean, you know, that's why you call it an upset. You don't necessarily uh, see it coming. But I think the South is weaker at the bottom than the North. So I think in the North, you've got a lot more depth because you've got Oregon, who routed BYU, Washington, who blew the doors off of Michigan State, and they are just they look like a well-coached, well-oiled machine right now, even though it's just year one with Kalen DeBoer. You've got Washington State, who's just feisty. I mean, that's just what they look like, right? Defensively oriented team, and they're just feisty. You've got Oregon State that has been going up, 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 and might be hitting its peak right now with Jonathan Smith in year five, and they'll have a big chance to prove that this weekend against USC. And then at the bottom, you have Stanford, and Cal. So overall, I'll give the edge to the North, mostly because UCLA right now has been disappointing. But I just think that this is so much more competitive and it's great for the conference. It's great for the fans of the conference to not have that many really bad teams. Like Arizona State is not going to be good the rest of the year. We know that. And when you have an interim head coach, there's two ways that it can go at the collegiate level. And they're in my my experience, has not been a lot of gray area in this sense. The first direction it can go is the better of the two, and that's the Jake Dickert route. New coach comes in, players are buying in, completely different feel, schemes get better, game plan is better, and he's a candidate to actually be the head coach the way Dickert got the job. He viewed himself as the interviewing head coach, and he was given that title. He has earned it so far for the Cougars up there in Pullman. It's either that or the polar opposite, right? Jimmy Lake is fired. You put an an interim head coach, and even against the Cougs in the Apple Cup, you can't be competitive. USC, Clay Helton's fired, punting on the season, essentially. Went on the road, lost pretty bad at Cal. That's not something USC does very often, right? End of the year, four and eight. Those are the two ways it can go with an interim head coach. For Arizona State, I'm inclined to believe. I can't say it yet with 100% certainty because I haven't seen them play. And maybe Sean Aguano, who's never been a coordinator even at, uh, at the Power 5 level. He was the running backs coach. He's now the head coach. He was a head coach in high school at, at Chandler High School in Arizona. So he's won a lot of games at the high school level. But college is a completely different animal. And the fact that he went from being a head high school coach to a position coach for a power five program is indicative of, of the, the gap that exists there from a coaching standpoint. The fact that he's the head coach and not one of the coordinators leads me to believe this is much more likely to be a season that Arizona State is going to look back on and say, you know, it is a watch. Let's just get through it and just start over completely. And maybe we'll pull an upset victory 
somewhere in there. And that's kind of the feel I get, because if they had been still trying to win like Washington State was a year ago, I think you would have had Jake Dickert uh, or not Jake Dickert. You would have had one of the coordinators named as the head coach. But that's not what happened here. Arizona State is, I think, basically given up on the year saying, look, we want someone who the guys like who they can enjoy playing for for the rest of the year so that some of them will you know, hopefully come back next season to Arizona State. But I think that's an indicator. Like when Mario Cristobal left Oregon, they named the wide receivers coach, Brian McClendon, the interim head coach. He was never going to be the head coach, right? He was just the coach for that Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma. And it was just find a guy who's respected, who deserves that sort of uh, opportunity to have those added responsibilities, who's going to be able to handle them for for a, a period of time to just get the program through it. That's what Iguano feels like to me. So Arizona State's probably uh, down at, at the bottom there. But man, the Pac-12 right now is just looking so much more competitive than it was coming into the year because of the rapid rise of Washington the the strong performance of Oregon State so far, and then Washington State surprising people with that win at Wisconsin in what was a really solid showing. And then, you know, if Stanford and Cal are kind of two of your bottom teams or Arizona even, that's not a bad bottom of the conference, <laughs> frankly. I mean, both have something that I can look at and go, yeah, that's that's how, how they could win games. I, I got a lot more thoughts on this uh, coming your way. But first, I want to remind you, that uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, or if you're hiring a new football coach, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check, have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, helping you to find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. They've got simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So overall, to answer your question, Adam, I think the North is tougher because you don't have the gimme games, in a sense, for for the good competitive teams in the Pac-12 that you can find in the South. Now, Utah and USC, in that order, I think, are looking like the two best teams in the conference, but Oregon and Washington seem to be right on their heels with how they've performed so far. And maybe UCLA make the jump that I thought they could before the season, and they just need to get in a conference play and play up to the level of their competition rather than down to it as they did last week against uh, South Alabama. But I think the North is just much, much stronger. And if Stanford or Cal is going to be your worst team, I think the North is is better top to bottom. But I think the South has got a a stronger two teams at the top than than what we've seen right now. Uh, Speaking of uh, mailbag questions, and again, Twitter, YouTube, Lots of ways to get a question answered here on the show. Ask them as frequently as you would like, and I will always, always answer them because I love engaging with all of you and want to make a show that, uh, that that you enjoy and feel engaged and a part of because you obviously are. The show doesn't happen without all of you, or else it would just be me talking into my laptop here and nothing else. And if no one paid attention, then that wouldn't be very fun, but you do, and I appreciate that. Uh, this con- This one comes in from Twitter. Just straighten the mentions at smalls underscore 55. You can do that too. Uh, haughty by nature. 
USC slash Michigan. That's the name of this individual, which I got to say wins the award for most distinctly unique yet odd Twitter name. Um, USC and Michigan, also a very strange pairing of, of teams to be a fan of. Future Big Ten rivals, USC and, and Michigan, might I remind you. Uh, in that same sort of vein, who's the best team in the Pac-12 this year? Hmm, that is a very good question. Now, coming into the season, I would have said Utah. And I think there would have been a little bit of a drop-off because I think Oregon had a lot of things to work on from last year. And I think USC, though they were poised to make a jump, as they clearly are, still, year one, takes some time. Washington takes some time. Those two teams clicking a lot faster than I thought they might. But UCLA was the only other team that was really in that conversation for, you know, who'd be the best team in the Pac-12. I thought the answer coming into this year was Utah. They're my pick to repeat as Pac-12 champs in 2022, and I still think Utah is the best team. I do, and I think USC is probably number two because their offense has been so good and their weapons are just unbelievably top tier and they're executing at such a high level, and their defense with Alex Grinch is forcing turnovers. They're allowing a lot of yards, but they're forcing turnovers, but that's the reason right now why I would take Utah over USC is if you put those teams on a field right now, which will happen in a month in what could be the biggest game in the Pac-12, maybe all season long, Utah-Oregon could be. um, Washington misses both USC and Utah this year. But man, there there will be a lot of good games on a week-to-week basis in this conference, but Utah-USC, Utah-Oregon, Utah-UCLA, that could also be a a really, really big one. But Utah-USC, boy, that's going to be a heck of a game in Salt Lake City. But the point I was making is if you put those teams on a field right now, I would like the Utes because I know USC's offense is explosive. I know that Utah's offense is also capable of, of being explosive in the passing game, running the football well to keep an offense like USC's off the field, which is sometimes the best way to do it. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. But I trust Utah's defense more than I trust USC's, and their defense has been opportunistic, right? Which they deserve credit for, because they were not doing it like this a season ago, and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch deserve credit in that sense. However, when you're going up against a team like Utah, and when you are forcing turnovers, there is statistically an element of randomness to it, and sometimes it is you making a play, and sometimes it's the other team making a mistake. And if you put Utah and USC on the field to play right now, I trust Utah to not make those sorts of mistakes because that's the sort of football team they've historically been. And that's why that loss at Florida that, you know, sucks for the Pac-12. And I think really would have, especially with how Florida's playing since then, right? I talked about after that game that, you know, the Utes need to be big fans of the Gators. Gators are not looking that good. They could very well be a 6-7 win team. And that's not a loss that Utah wants to have on the resume. Still, they could get into the playoff if they're one loss conference champion. The committee has showed that time and time again. So they're certainly not out of of that conversation. They just have to run the table. But I trust Utah, especially as the season goes on, to execute, to not make sloppy mistakes, to not turn the ball over. And I also trust the defense more, right? USC has been forcing turnovers, which is great. But as you move into conference play, you're not playing Rice and Fresno State all the time. Now, Stanford had a couple turnovers as well. 
But I don't count on that happening week in and week out. Because if you're USC, if you're a fan of USC and talking about the defense, you can't expect them to force two, three, and four turnovers a game in order to get defensive stops. That's not something that's repeatable over the course of 12 games. Now, what they can do, right, is continue to win like that. They don't have to necessarily force two and three and four just to get a win. They do to, you know, pull away from teams, right? That's how they pulled away from Stanford and uh, Fresno State as well. But I think when you look at the the course of a over the course of a game, if USC only forces one turnover, they can still win the game because the offense is executing at such a high level. But right now, USC and Utah. I would take you or I, I would take Utah. I would not take USC. I'd have them second because I think they're able to execute at a level that forces USC's defense to try to make plays, to try to stop the run, which the Utes do very, very well offensively, by the way, with Tavion Thomas and Cam Rising both. And the wide receivers, they're very smart offensively. I, I like the way the Utes uh, play offense there. But I don't think that the Utes are going to make those sorts of mistakes consistently. And I think their defense is going to do more without needing turnovers than USC's to be able to help you win a football game. So that's why right now I would take Utah. That could change the month, right? Maybe USC's defense starts to figure it out. Maybe they have a game where they allow, you know, 17 points to a Pac-12 opponent and they only force one turnover. That to me, depending on who it would be, could be a major step in the right direction. But we'll have to wait and see. Coming this week... There are a lot of interesting matchups in the Pac-12, and I mean a lot of them. It's a full slate. You've got six Pac-12 games. Everybody's playing a conference opponent. League play is underway. I'm not sure who I'm picking in the Pac-12 prime picks right now. I know who one of them is. I I know one uh, of the Pac-12 prime picks, but of the six games, these are the ones that, that are the most compelling. Number one, seventh-ranked USC at Oregon State. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll just say I think that game will end up in the Pac-12 prime picks later this week. You'll have to listen to Friday's show to know for sure. But that is a massive game in so many ways. Number one, Oregon State is a program where you have to build kind of slowly, right? It's not a quick reboot the way USC is when you hire a new head coach. It's just not that kind of program. There are very few that are. Right. Most places are a little bit of a slower rebuild, but Washington looks to be that. I think Oregon was that when when they went four and eight, they haven't been under 500 since some places. It's easier to turn it around because of the resources available and, and the recruiting base and potential you have at a certain program. But USC has been a quick turnaround. Oregon State has not. And Jonathan Smith has had a couple of nice wins this year. Right. Against Boise State in week one, where they were, I think, up 24 nothing at the half. Something like that, 24-7. I don't know. I don't think they allowed a point in that first half. Then they go on the road to Fresno State. Those are two solid teams in the Mountain West in 2022, we think. Now, the Mountain West is still an inferior conference, right? It's not a Power Five. But Oregon State ended last year losing to a Power f- or losing to a Mountain West opponent in the bowl game in Utah State. So now what you have is a team that's putting it together. The defense is improved from what it was a season ago, which was one of the questions we had coming in with their new defensive coordinator, Trent Bray. I think he's been a really, he's off to a really good start in, in his job performance on Jonathan Smith's staff this year. And then offensively, 
Chance Nolan has been slinging it all around the field, and he's got some weapons. And I like their offensive coordinator, Brian Lindgren. And Smith devises smart offensive game plans, even though he's not the play caller. But what are they still looking for down there in Corvallis? That big-time marquee signature win. They had good wins. But this game against USC at home, with the history of that program beating the Trojans in Corvallis, major opportunity for Oregon State, not just to get into the top 25 with a victory, which they certainly would, but to put their stamp in the Pac-12 and say, here we are. We're not just a good team who people are feeling optimistic about, but we are here to move into that upper echelon of programs with Jonathan Smith as our head coach. It's year five. You need to make those sorts of jumps if you want to be able to get to that next level at some point, right? And this is an opportunity. Big, big game there uh, in Corvallis. Only six and a half point line means might very well be a good one. Fascinating matchup here. Arizona at Cal. Two teams that I still think are at best, I mean like absolute best in 2022, even with what we've seen so far, 500 ball clubs. That That is at best, those are 500 football teams. And right now, I could see either one ending the year with three wins. I could see either one ending the year with six wins. But this game could be really telling, not just from a record standpoint, but also from a momentum standpoint. And it's a three-point game. And Arizona feels like they have arrived in the sense that they're no longer a bottom feeder in the Pac-12. This is a chance to prove it. This is a chance to prove you've moved out of that bottom third tier of teams that are just fighting, you know, that are that are celebrating every win no matter who it's against. And I'm not faulting Arizona fans for doing that because they quite literally bottomed out as a program losing 20 in a row. But now they're trying to start the climb. You've got a road conference matchup here with a Cal Bears team that that has got a fifth year head coach and you've got a second year head coach. I think this could be a great football game. I'm curious to see how Delora performs against that Cal defense. Because when he played Mississippi State, where you've got not a great defense, but superior athletes, he struggled a little. He was trying to do too much. He was running around too often and was not the best form of Jaden Delore. What are you going to see in that game? We're going to find out. But right now it's Cal minus three at home. Definitely a candidate for, for Pac-12 prime picks later this week. The other two games most excited to see, Oregon minus six and a half at Washington State. Cougars, same sort of vibe as the Beavs right? They've been tied together because they were battling for a Pac-12 North title last season, and they're kind of seen coming into this year as the two teams that were most likely to be battling for second in the Pac-12 North, but now Washington has tossed themselves into the mix, not just for second, but for first uh, as well in the division. Oregon minus six and a half at Washington State. It moved out to seven since I uh, started recording this episode, actually, and I expect it to kind of hover in that area. Landmark win against Wisconsin. That's that's unquestionable for Jake Dickert and that staff. But how do you follow it up, right? Now you have the chance to show if you beat an Oregon team that's feeling good after a blowout win against BYU, if you beat that team, you have the chance to put that same sort of stamp on your and label on your program as Oregon State does this week. If you can pick up that win, it's in Pullman. Oregon has struggled there before 2018, most notably. They were coming off of a big home win against Washington, 
That one was in overtime, but they went up to Pullman and they got blanked in the first half. And it was never really close and they kind of mounted a comeback. But ultimately, Washington State, Mike Leach got the win. That was the first top 25 win for Washington State as a program since 2018. And they have a chance to do it again here. That would be a, a massive, massive win. I don't think as big, arguably, as going to Camp Randall and beating Wisconsin on Fox. But still... That could be, I, I think that could be a, a good football game. And then lastly, Stanford at Washington. This is minus 14 for the Huskies. I just wonder how much they can keep it rolling, right? I, and I'm not doubting that they can, but what does it look like? How, how does it play out this week as you get into conference play? You know, they were fired up from the first play to play Michigan State, right? You had a top 15 team coming in, non-conference, big opportunity. How do you follow that up? How do you avoid the emotional letdown? How do you go up against a Stanford team that comes in, according to Vegas, as a pretty big underdog? Cannot wait to find out. Those are the best matchups coming this week in the Pac-12. UCLA should blow out Colorado because everyone should blow out Colorado at this point, and Utah should be able to handle ASU. We'll talk about those games and more on tomorrow's show, which is why you should like and subscribe if you have not already. I appreciate everyone listening. See you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.